let's talk about self-sabotage because it's one of the things that we all have a tendency to do in one way or another, either consciously or unconsciously from time to time. And it can be really hard to notice in yourself. From the outside looking in, it usually is pretty obvious and others will wonder why you would ruin a good thing, why you would behave in these ways that are likely to destroy a relationship or prevent you from getting into a good one in the first place. And yet from the inside out, the voices, the words and thoughts that are happening in your brain can be so demanding and urgent, it can feel like you have no other choice but to conform to the thoughts that are happening in your mind. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some of the ways I'm noticing um, the desire to self-sabotage in my own marriage. And I'm going to share with you why this happens. And I hope that what I offer here today will help you recognize some of the ways in which you might be doing this and help you stop. I'm going to go into so much more detail on this in an upcoming masterclass. It's going to be amazing. I hope you will attend. I'm going to share more details about that at the end. But if you want to head over to Proverbs2426.com slash get the love with a capital G on the get, it's important that you do the capital because otherwise you get a 404 error. But Proverbs2426.com slash get with a capital G, the love, all as one word, to sign up for my brand new masterclass. We're going to talk about more about sabotage, more about how to get the love that you desire to show up for love in a way that is Christ-centered and honors your desire for marriage and really allows you to attract the type of Christ-centered and godly man into your life that you are looking for. Uh, All of that and so much more. I'm super excited to offer this masterclass. It's completely free, but more on that a little bit later. Right now, let's dive in and talk about self-sabotage. Welcome to the Forever Love Podcast. I am your host and Christ-centered relationship coach, Lily Matonguiza. And today we're talking about self-sabotage. And I really wanted to first and foremost thank all of you who reached out to me last week after I shared a very personal episode. I shared my own coaching experience um, and the recording from my coaching session. And I talked about some of the things that I am struggling with. And if you want to go ahead and go back and listen to that, by all means, check it out, because I think there's a lot of valuable insight into looking into your blind spots. I shared about my own personal blind spots. And I think this leads into today's conversation about self-sabotage. So 
First, and again, thank you so much to those of you who wrote back to me with words of encouragement and compassion. It really helped heal my heart in that moment. I was I was struggling. I was having a hard time. And seeing this amazing community of women come together and provide that uh, prayerful support and love was so touching and it meant the world to me. Sometimes this kind of work can be hard. It can be hard not knowing who I'm talking to because when I record, really, it's just me alone in my space. And so that feedback from you is so important and so helpful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, that being said, I want to start by what is self-sabotage? Like, what what do we mean when we say it? Sometimes we know we're doing it, sometimes we don't. But self-sabotage is really when we are taking action that is going to create an outcome that is the opposite or contrary in some way to our God-given desire. So I have talked about God-given desires. We have many God-given desires, you know, for love, for joy, for relationship, for connection, for belonging, for justice. So many things that God has put in our hearts to long for, to want, to desire. And that desire helps to push us forward when we have a passion, when we have a calling upon our lives for all kinds of things, for children, for marriage, for certain types of careers, for exercise, for health. Like we can have a God-given desire for many, many things that help us to grow and to evolve. Now, self-sabotaging is when we are taking action that is primarily fueled by an urge or a temptation that is produced by a negative thought, a thought that is really unhelpful. It does not serve us. It does not serve God. It does not bring glory to God. It is not Christ-centered. It is just one of these automatic negative thoughts that pop into our brains from time to time, and they demand that we do something, usually in response to some kind of trigger or stimulus or circumstance that we find uncomfortable. And let's be real, a lot of things in life feel really uncomfortable. So the temptation to self-sabotage comes up all the time. And we can do it in so many ways. We can do it with food. We can do it with drugs and alcohol. We can do it with relationships. We can do it with overachieving. Sometimes, you know, there's, there's like binging and you know really just eating all the oreos in the pantry kind of self-sabotage like if we were on a weight loss journey you know eating all the oreos might be self-sabotage but there's another kind of self-sabotage that looks really good on the outside but can be just as detrimental because it's stopping you from taking Christ-centered action, action that is fueled by love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So even if it looks good on the outside, like, I don't know, sometimes exercise can become a bit of a self-sabotage because we're like breaking our joints in this attempt to 
be extra fit or something. Or journaling. Sometimes journaling becomes, you know, this self-sabotaging behavior. We're spending so much time journaling or doing these kind of self-help ish activities that were not showing up for our lives in the way God would have us show up. And so there's a variety. There's really like obviously problematic ones and some that look good on the surface. And we're not going to go too deep into that just yet. But I just want you to be aware that just because a behavior is kind of universally accepted as this is a good behavior. Everybody should do this. You know, you should do these things that make you a healthier, happier, better person. If you're overdoing it and you're doing it in a way that is trying to avoid feeling an unpleasant, uncomfortable feeling, it's, it's probably not doing what you're hoping it will. There's A verse in the Bible that I think really shows us that self-sabotage happens a lot, and it is Proverbs 14.1, and it says, the wise woman builds up her house and the foolish one tears it down with her own hands. And that's what self-sabotage is, right? We are tearing down our house with our own hands. We're doing things that corrode our relationships or our progress or our God-given desires in some way. And to be honest, I have caught myself doing this. I have caught myself in um, pain, like emotional pain, finding myself feeling really lonely, feeling really overwhelmed, panicky, frustrated, all of these uncomfortable emotions that make me want to crawl out of my skin and get away from the situation and my circumstances, you know, that feeling of not wanting to be in your own body and the opportunity to escape in some way is extremely tempting. And it's you know, it's coming from this self-medicating kind of place. It's our body being like, something is wrong. You need to stop what you're doing. It's our just our old pre-everything brain just overreacting to stimulus that it thinks it's going to kill us. It thinks we're going to die alone. We're going to starve to death. Everything's going to fall apart. Go back to safety. And for our brains, in their very limited capacity, they're just like, well, let's go back to basics. Let's go back to survival mode and focus on food, shelter, connection, like whatever we can get and and make do with what the bare minimum can provide. And from there, maybe we can think about thriving. But right now, like thriving is terrifying. Thriving means taking risks and living in a dangerous way and and not that we're necessarily actually being dangerous, but our brain perceives whatever we're doing and the possibility of rejection and the possibility of emotional pain, it perceives that as a huge threat to its survival and just shuts it down. It's like, no, 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 let's tear down all of this and go back to the basics, go back to whatever felt safest. Let's just focus on getting some food into our system, staying warm and sheltered. And this is why we love to retreat to our beds. Like 
let's be honest here. <laughs> I don't know about you. Maybe you have a comfy living room to retreat to. But for me, it's my bed and it's Netflix and it's comfort food and it's indulging in other things as well that I have worked personally really hard to stop doing to recognize that those temptations in my life do not serve me and to create healthy boundaries with myself. And when I noticed that I am getting into a place of fear and panic, I tend to resort back to some of those old behaviors, or at least I feel the temptation very, very loudly. It is like alarm bells, like like all of the fire alarm bells ringing at the same time and not having a, an, a way to stop them, except to just listen to them and hear them out without acting on them, which is really tricky. And I've talked a lot about this before, but I want to emphasize that this is a process that takes a considerable amount of effort. It does not happen by accident or default. It does not happen to you. It is something we cultivate in cooperation with God. And I think this is, you know, God's way of reminding us to check in with him. The only problem is that when we're in that space, especially if we have been indulging, guilt and shame immediately creep in and like put up all kinds of walls. We put up walls around ourselves and we don't want to interact with God as much. I've I've seen this for myself. I'm speaking from experience here. I notice that when I sin, I don't want to go to God. It's not that God's not there. It's not that he is disappointed in me. God is never, ever disappointed in me. God is never having negative emotions towards me. God is always showing up for me with love. It's me who turns my back. It is me who feels unworthy. It is me who doesn't want to embrace and open up to that love because it feels vulnerable. It feels exposed. It feels a lot of things that don't feel particularly good. And it means that that shame will be exposed. And reality is, I don't want to go there sometimes. Like eventually I get there, but in the moment, I don't want to go there. It's uncomfortable. And a lot of us do this. And if you do that too, I want you to know you're normal. This is normal, typical human behavior. It is not something that we want to monstercize or demonize. It's, it's the way humans behave towards God over and over again. It is the history of the Bible. So nothing has gone wrong here. This is just how humans behave. And we have the opportunity to be wise women and intentionally build our house up. Now, again, that is going to be a very active, requiring your participation kind of activity. You're going to really have to be intentional about building your house up and putting the resources and support and connection in your life that you need. Because Again, it doesn't happen by default. So I wanted to talk about some of the ways that I am currently practicing building my house up again, because I did for a minute tear it down or at least tore a hole in the roof. Like, I'm being honest with you, not a perfect person over here. 
I I like to consider myself a bit of a guide on the side. I have walked the journey towards marriage and I am in a beautiful marriage and that does not mean that it's easier or better on the side. It just means I am have gotten to where you want to be. And I want to turn around and continue to offer you the lessons that I have learned from research because I do a lot of that. I love to learn about this and I love to talk about it and I love to share it with you. And I really, one of my favorite things is taking truth that is found in the world and we know that all truth comes from God. But, you know, the Bible says, like, don't cast your pearls before swine. I believe that a lot of Christ-centered truths have been tossed out into the world and they are like pearls before swine. And so, like, they've been gobbled up by various things, um, whatever whatever you want to call it, like it's still truth, whether it's coming from a medical field or a psychology thing or, you know, self-help or whatever, wherever you're finding it. And I consider my job to be kind of like a pearl diver. And I go and collect those pearls and I reclaim them for the body of Christ. And I clean them up again and I re-show you them like, no, this is Christ-centered truth. That's why it's true in the world. That's why other people can use it and apply it. But the glory should go back to God. And so some of the things that that belong to us as children of God have gotten out into the world. And then we kind of like disassociate from them. We don't recognize them anymore because the world's using them. And we're like, well, if the world's using it, I can't possibly use it. But it's Christ-centered. That's why it's working. It's truth. And truth will set you free. And truth comes from God. And it is if and disclaimer, remember that we can know if something is true by its fruit. First of all, does it set you free? Also, look for the fruit. Does this create love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and or self-control? If it is producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if it is in alignment with God and his love for us, then use it. And of course, you have to really discern for yourself what, what God is doing in your own life. We're all at various stages and places and, you know, God will speak to you about what he would have you do. And so it's really important to listen to Christ within, not just me speaking at you and giving you some ideas, but really turning to Christ within. You have a guidance system. You have the Holy Spirit within you. And he, I believe he will guide you in all things. And so take what I'm saying See how it lines up with Christ within. See if it produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit when when you meditate on it, when you really consider it, when you think about adopting it into your own life. Um, and if it lines up, use it. And if it doesn't, toss it. You don't have to receive anything or that I say. Like, don't take it on account of what I said, but really go back to the source and and find out from from Christ himself, because I believe that that's something we can do. Okay, so I wanted to talk about practicing mindfulness, because for me, that is one of the ways I avoid self-sabotage. Practicing mindfulness, um, one of my favorite ways to do that is with the life code. So if you haven't 
go back and listen to episode five, where I talk explicitly about what the life code is and how to use it. Um, But in a nutshell, it is that life happens and we have thoughts, feelings about it. And then we take action that is fueled by those thoughts and feelings. And the combination of those thoughts, feelings and actions create outcomes in our life. We can't control our circumstances. We can't control the past or what has happened to us or what other people are doing, but we can control the results or the outcome, the fruit that we produce in our life based on what we're thinking and feeling and how we act on or don't act on those thoughts and feelings. So if something is coming up in life One of the ways to slow down and work through it is to really take note of what is happening. And the life code is like a snapshot in time. If you think of a movie reel, the life code is like an individual frame in that movie. So it is that split second example um, or, or snapshot of the movie. And there's hundreds and thousands of them happening all the time. And some of them we're acting on and some of them we're not. But overall, we'll have these like boom, 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 life codes happening one right after the other. Every time we have a thought, it produces an emotion. And that emotion, we either act on it or we don't. And then we have another thought and another thought and another thought. So this is kind of a way of capturing and taking our imagination captive and really submitting it to Christ and like analyzing what is going on in my brain because our brains for the most part operate unobserved like we don't usually spend very much time paying attention to what our brain is thinking about we just let it run in the background and it has all kinds of thoughts and expressions and things that are coming up for it. And it just babbles on. And we take our thoughts for granted. And we don't really examine them. And we don't see what they're producing. And so they can operate and start to cause really negative things in our life without us noticing until, you know, we've kind of dug ourselves into a hole or we've like torn down our whole house and we're wondering why. And then we can kind of like step back and figure it out. But In the moment, at any given time, you always have the opportunity to pause, really ask yourself, like, what's going on for me right now? What is my situation? What is the life experience that I'm having in this particular moment? What is my thought about that? And how does that thought make me feel? And we can identify the emotion, especially if it's one that would cause us to self-sabotage between our emotion and our action we can create a pause we can create some space and I like to think of this as sacred space this is a moment in time where we can uh, really ask God into our lives to help us flee from temptation to help us take a moment feel that emotion all the way through feel the temptation without acting on it It's one thing to feel tempted and the action part is a totally different thing. So we can feel a temptation, we can feel an urge, we can feel any of these things and we can stop it there. We do not have to be obedient to our thoughts and our emotions. Part of our spiritual development is 
and being able to have all kinds of thoughts and emotions and not be in obedience to them. We want to be in obedience to God. We want to honor our God-given desires. We don't want to sabotage our God-given desires whenever these impulses and temptations pop up. And they will. They will over and over and over again in so many different ways. And you'll think you'll have figured it out. And then you'll get a whole new version of temptation. Like they're always going to be there. So it's important to recognize what it feels like for you. And for me, it's it's like this feeling in my gut that is very, very, um, one of the, one of the really strong ones for me is deprived. I don't like to feel deprived. Like I feel lonely, but I feel like deprivation feels so much worse. It's like the difference between feeling hungry for a snack and feeling deprived of a snack. Like something important was taken away from you. And there's this like, in my stomach. I don't I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it feels very tight. It feels very like almost like a cramp. And I'm trying to use very neutral language here because one of the things we do when we're in discomfort is dramatize our stories. So I could explain this feeling of deprivation to you in a couple different ways. And I'll kind of give you a bit of an example. So I could describe it as it feels like there are like claws in my stomach and like these like long fingers are like squeezing at my soul and I feel it in the pit of my gut and it feels like this empty abysmal hole and I feel like completely lacking and empty and it's just horrible and it makes me want to crawl out of my skin and that's probably how I told it to my coach but we can also describe it very neutrally And it's just a matter of describing the symptoms without all of the extra flowery language. It's a tight sensation. It's in the core of my stomach. It's really centered in the middle of it. Um, It kind of gets worse at some times and like the sensation kind of lasts for about two seconds and then it kind of relaxes and it kind of comes back and I find it very uncomfortable. Notice how different that is? Like, that is two very different ways of describing the same thing. And of course, because we are storytellers and we want to communicate and we think that people won't understand or like we're not, it's not meaningful enough unless we add all this language to it. And so we create even more drama for ourselves just in the way we describe our negative emotions. I talk to women all the time who tell me about their heartache and their pain. And I get it. It's it's super uncomfortable. But we describe it with like, it feels like he ripped my heart out and my soul is dying. And like, we just add all these extra words to try and convey to the other person like how much pain we're in. But it also creates more drama in our own mind. Like we buy into the story and we feel more desperate. We feel more scared. We feel more frustrated than if we describe it very naturally and honestly. Let's like let's just tell ourselves the truth about what's actually going on for us rather than embellishing it with all of this excess 
language. So like I said, we want to be capturing the mind, the thoughts that we are having, and then we want to also adopt the mind of Christ. Now, some of us, I believe you probably do this from time to time all on your own. You don't have to like do it extra intentionally. You are obviously adopting the mind of Christ anytime you're experiencing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have had a thought that is in alignment with God, with his truth. And, you know, if you have been in a relationship with God for any amount of time, you most definitely have experiences of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. If you don't know the fruit of the Holy Spirit already, like I can guarantee listening to this podcast is definitely going to give you like a lot of grounded knowledge and wisdom in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I just love them so much. I didn't, and it's funny because like for the longest time, I did not appreciate the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. I was just waiting for it to show up someday and wondering what was wrong with me since it wasn't there most of the time. And I really didn't understand where it comes from or how we can cooperate with God to create it and cultivate it. But I really believe that it is within our power to cooperate and do this with God. Anyways, as I was saying, so we want to be mindful. We want to recognize what we're thinking and how that's making us feel. And then we have the opportunity to create, like, remember how I told you about, it's like the, the, the slides in the film, like each frame in the film. If we want to change the story, we just have to swap in a new frame. We just have to have a new picture there. We can create a new life code that is inspired by God, by his truth, by adopting the mind of Christ. What would God think of this? What is the truth of this in light of eternity? Um, Because sometimes we get really dialed into our moment-to-moment existence and we forget that we are really having an eternal life experience in this moment. So taking that broader perspective, really kind of like (laughs) leaning back for a second and letting God's perspective show up for you, like leaning into that can help us to create a little bit of distance from that trigger and move closer to the truth. So practicing that mindfulness, doing life codes on paper, like I, in my notebooks, I will have L-M-E-A-O written all over and I'll just fill it in to see what's going on. And if I want to create something new in my life, if I want to honor a God-given desire. I put that in the O-line at the bottom, the outcome, and I work backwards. And I ask myself, well, what if if, if I want to have a Christ-centered marriage, because I am married, right? So if I want to continue to have a Christ-centered marriage, what do I need to do that I'm not doing? You know, sometimes honesty, being honest with my husband, being vulnerable with my husband is what comes up. And what am I going to need to be feeling in order to be honest with him. And for me, the answer is vulnerable and courageous. And they're kind of like two sides of the same coin, right? If you're going to be courageous, you're going to feel vulnerable. They, you can't separate the two. So I'm going to have to feel vulnerable. And what am I going to have to be thinking in order to be vulnerable with him? And I have to believe that he's going to understand me and he's going to love me. And even if he doesn't, there's got to be a thought there as well that's along the lines of honesty in my marriage is worth it every time, no matter what. I want to have a marriage that is based on honesty and integrity. And even if that means, you know, 
fessing up to my mistakes and the things I don't do well and being honest about it. That's really important to my marriage. I'd rather have a marriage that is struggling because of honesty than a marriage that seems to be okay, but is based on a lie. Does that make sense? So that is one of the ways I really try to avoid self-sabotaging is to be mindful and to practice adopting the mind of Christ. The other way is really processing emotions. Now, this is tricky. It is tricky because the emotions don't feel good. So we want to escape them as quickly as possible. And the idea is that we want to allow ourselves to feel them without acting on them. And I've had a lot of clients who struggle with this. It, it takes a while for it to click. So if you've heard me talk about it before, some Sometimes like stick with me because it it takes a few repetitions to really get what I'm talking about. It's a tricky one because we don't have to obey our emotions, but in the moment, it feels like we do. It feels like if I feel this way, then I'm going to have to act on it. But that, my friend, is not true. And I can guarantee it's not true because have you ever felt like punching somebody in the face, but didn't? I bet you have. I bet you have felt that urge come up and not punch that person out of the face, or you've, you know, wanted to say something, but you didn't, you, you bit your tongue, you decided to hold back. And, you know, we can do that for all kinds of reasons. But the reality is, we know that certain behaviors are not appropriate. So it doesn't matter how loud the urge is, we're not going to act on it. But for other things, especially if it's something we really do want to do and we can justify it and we can convince ourselves that it's not that big a deal and there really aren't that many ramifications and it's totally justified, like we'll come up with a story for why we should do the thing that we know we really shouldn't. Like in the moment, we want it so much that we don't really care if it's going to sabotage us in our God-given desires. So, one of the things we got to do is ask ourselves, where is this coming from? So if you're experiencing an uncomfortable emotion, and there's so many of them, I mean, they range so much from fear to anger to regret to deprivation to like all of it. If you're feeling it, you want to allow yourself to feel it and feeling like just being really honest, like naming that emotion and being like, I feel deprived. I feel deprived and it feels like this and paying attention to it, really looking at it with your heart and soul, like inviting Christ into the conversation. Imagine I like to imagine Jesus as the great physician. I, I put him in a lab coat <laughs> and I let him like. And I imagine him being there over my shoulder, and I'm just going to describe what I'm feeling to him. And I'm going to try to use really neutral words like I've already explained, and I'm just going to describe the feeling to him. And then I like to ask, what is this emotion here to tell me? What is this emotion here to tell me? And you'll be surprised by the answer to that question. So if I'm thinking, I'm going to share with you, like, if I'm feeling deprived, 
one of the things it's there to tell me is I really love my husband. And it's funny because in moments of deprivation, I want to do things that don't help my marriage. They don't help me. They don't help our goals. They don't help the dreams that we're trying to create. But the message in that deprivation is like, I really love my husband and I want to be with him. So he's on the other side of the globe at the moment. And the the deprivation itself is making me want to do things that are going to make it harder for us to buy plane tickets, harder for us to spend time together, like all kinds of negative consequences have the potential to show up when I indulge in negative emotions, when I like let myself act on them. But if I can pause for a minute and just feel it without acting on it, I discover that this is just this is just a consequence. This feeling of deprivation is simply a consequence of having love in my life. And that's that's hard for a brain to wrap itself around. So be gentle with yourself if you're struggling with any of this, because it it really requires spiritual and emotional maturity to get there. Um, so so that's it in a nutshell. That is how I have been experiencing self-sabotage in my own life and what I'm doing to kind of work through it. The other thing that I'm doing is keeping an urge jar. So uh, urge, self-sabotage, temptation, sin, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm keeping an urge jar. And here, here's kind of what I'm doing. So it's important to identify one specific behavior. And when I talk about sin I or temptations or urges, I'm talking about a specific behavior. And I believe that it's important if you can recognize one in your life that you work on that one first and foremost. Like if there's one that is really kind of wreaking havoc over your ability to connect or honor your God-given desire, focus on that one first. Of course, we're humans who are messed up and living in a fallen world. So we've all got lots of things we could work on, but focus on one. So I have one specific area of temptation that has come up very strongly for me recently, and it's the one I'm going to work on. And so every day that I do not indulge in that action, that I don't take that action, a specific sin, temptation, action, if I don't do it, I get to put a little, I've got, I bought these little gemstones from the dollar store and I put one in my jar. Okay. My goal is to get a hundred of them in there. A hundred days where I did not act on the temptation. Or you could do it if it's something that comes up a lot for you, like over and over again, several times in one day, you're going to feel that temptation come up. You know, you could put a, a stone or a gem or a, like whatever kind of little marker. I don't care if you use gold stars on a sheet of paper, but keeping track of and rewarding yourself for recognizing I felt that temptation come up. I experienced that urge and I did not take action. I did not sin. I felt angry, but did not sin, you know? So keeping track of it. 
especially if it's something you want to change in your life. And noticing it and giving God the glory and thanking God for helping him get you through this day. And that helps us to reconnect with our Lord and Savior, especially when we're feeling shame and guilt over something we've been doing that we know is out of alignment with what we sincerely want, what God wants for us. So those are my thoughts and tips on self-sabotage and what you can do about it. I also want to invite you to my masterclass. Um, It's happening next week. There's going to be a few spots available. So go over to Proverbs2426.com slash get the love, all one word with a capital G. It only works if you put the capital G in there. So Proverbs2426.com, capital G, get the love, and register for the masterclass. I'm going to talk more, a little bit more about self-sabotage, but I'm really going to talk about how we show up for love, how we attract the right kind of love, how we can do things differently. And I want to create a masterclass for you, like specifically for you. So when you register, it's going to have a, a, you know, you put in your name, your email address, and then there's a little box that says like, what question would you like me to answer during this masterclass? Because I want to make it personal. I want to make it for you. So if you have questions, if there are things you are struggling with, I want to know what they are so that I can address them during this masterclass. So please don't skip that part. It is optional, but the more input I get from you, the more service I can provide. And that is ultimately what I long to do. My God-given desire is to serve you and to help you in your journey, to help you create all the God-given, Christ-centered love you can possibly enjoy in this life. So head over to Proverbs2426.com slash get the love with a capital G Register for the masterclass, and I can't wait to see you. It is going to be happening during the first week of June, so book your spot as soon as possible and ask me your questions. Let me know how I can serve you because that is why I am here. Have a beautiful week, my friend. If you have any more questions, please let me know. You know, we can connect on Facebook. That's my favorite place to connect, or you can email me um, if you haven't already already subscribed to the newsletter where you'll get invitations to things like my master classes and other free events that I offer, please do head over to Proverbs2426.com, hit the menu bar, and there is a subscribe option there. And you will always get my newsletters and any emails that I'm sending out to the community to help support you on your journey. That is it for now. God bless you. Thank you so much for all of your love and support over the last few weeks. It means the world to me. And if you know somebody else who would benefit from hearing this episode or any other, please don't forget to share that with them. I want to reach as many people around the world with these kinds of messages of hope and love as possible, but I cannot do that without you. So share wherever you like to share in whichever way you like to do so and know that I appreciate it and thank you so much. Until next week, God bless you. Bye.